Welcome, welcome to Celebration Church. If we have not met before, my name is Pastor Robert. I get to the privilege to be the location pastor here at Orange Park. So thank you so much for coming out here today as we are getting ready for a great word here today at Celebration OP. We have an amazing speaker here today. She has spoken here many times before. So you know that she is about to bring a word from the Lord. And so I hope that you are excited to receive from God today. Come on, God's already been on the move this morning. And I know he is going to speak through the one, the only, Pastor Lexi Goodman. Celebration Orange Park, stand to your feet. Help me welcome Pastor Lexi to the stage. Thank you. You set the bar high. Good morning. Good morning. You guys can be seated. How are you guys this morning? Everybody good? This side's way more excited. I don't know what's going on there. Um, as Robert, Pastor Robert said, my name is Lexi Goodman. I'm one of the pastors here at Celebration Church. It's always an honor. On behalf of our lead pastors, Pastors um, Tim and Jen Timberlake and Pastor Robert Bass, I just want to let you know that I count it all an honor to be able to speak to you this morning. It is not something that I take lightly at all. Um, I study, I pray, I intercede, and I believe that God has given me a word this morning. And um, I loved worship, but I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so ready to get on the stage and deliver this word this morning. Um, but worship was amazing. We have You guys have an amazing worship team here, so, so good. Yes, you can give a round of applause for them. Um, so just a little bit about me. I have, um, I'm on staff. I, I serve actually as the arena location pastor. And um, so I oversee all things over at the arena location. So Pastor Robert said, um, do you think you could come to Orange Park now that you're the arena location pastor? I was like, absolutely. Somebody else, I put somebody else in charge today so that I could come and hang out with you guys. And so um, this January will be my 20th year on staff at Celebration <laughs> I cannot believe it's, I'm two decades in. That's insane. And I started when I was 10. They hired people. Just kidding. I was 19, though, so, um, so it's been a journey. But um, I've been married almost 17 years to my high school sweetheart, Jared. He's here this morning. We have um, two daughters, one who is 11. She's a tween, and we have a toddler who is three. So if you could pray for us. That would be great. We have the toddler phase going on with the tween stage, and we decided that was enough, so we just got a puppy. Um, so, yes, if you could pray for our home. But I'm just going to pray for us this morning, and we're going to jump into God's Word. And I want us to have this mindset, okay? I want us to have a mindset that this is not just the week before Christmas, a warm, feel-good Christmas message, and we're all going to leave and go drink hot cocoa and have cookies, which is great, because I'm going to do that later at my mom's house. But, um, but God wants to do more than that this morning. So I want us to press in. I want you to come with open and hungry hearts to be able to catch what he wants to deposit this morning, because without his power going forth, it's just me with words on this stage. Amen. Um, so let's go to him this morning. God, we thank you for this time. I thank you, Father, that it is by your might and by your power, God. And I ask that you would have all the glory in this time, that I would completely decrease, you would completely increase, that I would be a river flowing, God, that I would be a vessel and that your word would flow through me to your people. What do you want us to hear? What do you want us to know? God, what is on your heart in this moment? And would your word and your spirit go forth in Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to jump right into the word this morning. We are going to hang out this morning in Philippians chapter 4. So you all can turn there. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And I'm just going to kick it off this morning by reading. It says this, Paul. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, everybody say learned, in whatever situation I am to be content. Everybody say content. Good. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through it is Christ who gives me strength. So I would, I would guess to say that most of us in here, maybe even before you became a Christian, you knew Philippians 4.13, right? It's kind of one of the Christianese verses, right? It's also one of the most taken out of context verses in all of scripture, okay? So I'm going to break that down for you as to why. People do it with good intentions, okay? We have a famous football player who might be from Jacksonville, and he painted it on his face when he was playing college football, and, um, and he wants to let people know about Jesus, right? We do it because we want people let to know about Jesus. My husband, I told him I was going to do this, he has it tattooed right here on his right forearm. It's all good. He wanted to let people know that his strength comes from God. All good. However, this verse is so much bigger and so much better than just us praying before a football game or praying before we do something so that God gives us strength. It's teaching us that in any circumstance, no matter what we are facing, that we can carry a spirit of contentment, which is an inner, unshakable peace that we have as children of God. Amen? And so I've titled this message this morning, we're in a series called The Gift, and I've titled this message, The Gift of Contentment. The Gift of Contentment. So I want to show you something really quick. Speaking of a warm, fuzzy Christmas message, let me show you a picture of a prison cell. <laughs> All right, here we go. Merry Christmas. Here's a picture of a prison cell. So I want to show you this because I'm a visual learner. I'm also a visual teacher. This is a picture of a, what a first century prison cell would have looked like, okay? Paul, which we just read in Philippians 4, Philippians is considered one of the prison epistles, okay? It's one of the epistles that um, St. Paul wrote as he was probably in prison, whether he was in a cell like this or whether he was under a house arrest, which wouldn't have been much better than this, okay? So I want us to have this visual. So in first century prison, the, the prisons we know now are Ritz-Carlton compared to first century prison, okay? First century prison was most likely something like this in a dungeon. Um, it's only lit up because there's modern day lights in it, so they would have had no light to the outside world. Probably not clothed, um, very cold, probably not fed very well. Not only that, they were brought out very often to be tortured as well. Beaten, flogged, tortured, whatever it might be. It was barbaric in every little literal sense of the term, okay? So Paul probably sat in something like this, Beaten, okay, so I want you to think what happens when you're beaten, you get wounds, okay, they did not have Advil or Neosporin, okay, so nothing was helping him in that sense, um, he was probably starving, he was probably freezing, 
He was probably hungry, all those things, okay? Ill, whatever it might be. But he was still able to say this. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then verse 11, it says, um, it says, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I have learned. And do you know what that tells me? Learning the gift of contentment and learning how to be content as a child of God, it's a, it's a learned behavior. It's something we have to be intentional about. It's not an autopilot setting that we click on as soon as we receive salvation. It's something that we have to lay down every single day. Because I don't know about you, if Paul can write those words from something that might look like this, even if it's just for all the biblical historical people out there, it wasn't the scholars aren't sure if he wrote it from somewhere like this or if he was in house arrest because he had a lot of prison time in the New Testament. But, um, but house arrest wouldn't have been much better. Sometimes you had to spend house arrest in the home of the place of the person who accused you. So think about how that would have been as well. So either way, he was not writing it from a place of happiness and warmth and, and fun, right? But he was still able to write this. And if he's able to do that, how much more are we, should we, be modeling a life of contentment as children of God? It's a gift that I know God wants to pour over you this morning, but just like any gift, guess what? I can run up to my daughter and I can say, here's your birthday gift. I'm so excited about it. And if she doesn't reach out and receive it and take it from me, it's not hers yet. And so that's, what I'm pray that's one of my prayers for us this morning. So I want us to look at the definition of contentment, okay? The definition of contentment, and it's this. The degree of happiness which consists in being satisfied with present conditions or a quiet, uncomplaining, satisfied mind. A quiet, uncomplaining, satisfied mind, okay? And then jumping to the next. You guys just have to follow me this morning. I'm an English major. I like words. I like history. My husband is opposite of me, so it's okay. Um, but you just got to follow. Say I'm following. Okay, thank you. Okay, I promise it won't be too many more words, okay? So synonyms of contentment. Synonyms of contentment. Words that are also like contentment. Ready? Ease, peace, Gladness, serenity, fulfillment, and gratification. Ease, peace, gladness, serenity, fulfillment, and gratification. How many of you would like to use these words to describe your life on a daily basis? And if you're not raising your hand, I'm sorry, you're not telling the truth. <laughs> if you would like to use these words to describe your life on a daily basis, you are in good company. But let me remind you of this. As children of God, this is how we're actually called to live. Because you see, we have contentment. We have this gift of inner, unshakable peace that is not dictated or determined by our outward circumstances. Paul was able to have those things sitting in the prison that we just saw. Amen? Now let's, let's look at the antonyms or the opposite words of contentment, okay? Ready? Disappointment, misery, sadness, discontent, displeasure, worry, unhappiness, or agitation. How many of you would say some of these words describe how my week went this week? It's okay. I'm raising both hands. 
The very thing that God gave me to preach on, to bring to you all this morning, was the very thing that came under attack in my life this week. And if you want examples, you can ask my family. Anything that could have gone wrong in my life this week pretty much went wrong, okay? From our dryer broke, my car didn't start when I was running late from work, which then I had to transfer my three-year-old in the car seat into my husband's truck. And if you ever transfer car seats, you know that you need an engineering degree to do that. And so that alone is enough. But like little things all week long. Um, I stepped in um, puppy poop when I got out of the car and I didn't realize it and I drug it through the garage. I went to shake my protein drink and the lid wasn't on. I spilled coffee in my car. I mean like my husband was like, are you okay? I said, I don't think I'm okay. Um, Just little things like that literally all week long. To the point where Friday, um, I went to visit my grandma. She's in an assisted living center. And I felt this just opposition coming against me, to be honest. So I went in the bathroom in her room. (laughs) And I just went before Jesus. And I was like, listen... I know, enemy, that you are waging a war against me. And because I felt the accuser saying, you can't even be content. Why are you preaching about it? And and so I stood there and I said, you know what? This message must be a threat to the kingdom of darkness if I've come come under such attack. And, um, And so right there, yep. Right there in that nursing facility, I stood in that bathroom, and I pled the blood of Jesus over my life and my family's life and my home, but I also said this. I said, God, if, I, if this is how I have to suffer for your word to go forth and for your name to be made known, let it be so. What an honor and what a joy that I get to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Amen? And so, um, yes, absolutely. I had a lot of agitation this week. I am not going to lie. Just like everything, like three-year-old throwing snack in the, you know, just like, I don't want this snack all over the car. Just literally, I went to dump in a can of something for dinner, and I got the wrong can out of the um, pantry. So the can I got was lentil vegetable soup. That is not, that did not go with chili mac that I was making. Just like stuff like that all week long. Um, So things were trying to steal my contentment this week but I had to remind myself and remind the enemy whose I am and that my identity is secure in the one who created me. Amen. And so I just want to go over a couple things this morning. Say, I'm with you. Do you really mean it? Okay, good. Um, A couple things this morning, and I'll wrap up, but um, there are some things I would like to highlight that I believe steal our contentment. They fight for our contentment. Okay, are you ready? It's three C's. Everybody say three C's. Okay, the first one, comparison. Comparison, okay? Oh, I heard some, ooh, um, in the crowd. Okay, why comparison? First of all, I want to highlight that we live in a society where we can see what everybody is doing all of the time, and it's called social media, okay? And what we do is we, okay, we put up a five-foot tree, but this family we follow put up an eight-foot tree, and it's so much better. Oh, my gosh, my tree is not good enough now. We have this unhealthy comparison point. What we don't know is the family that put up the eight-foot big, huge, fancy tree, their marriage is on the, is on the friends, or there's abuse in their home, or there's, there's alcohol abuse in their home, whatever it might be, we are only seeing people's highlight reels. And what we are doing is we are comparing our lives and thinking we're not living up to people's highlight reels, okay? Um, we got a Christmas card in the mail yesterday, 
and it was uh, from some friends we have that are out of town. Cutest Christmas card, looks like the perfect happy family. The, what everybody else who got the Christmas card doesn't know is that those friends actually call us for advice because their marriage is in such turmoil. And you would never know that by looking at their happy, their dogs on the beach, their little girls on the beach on the Christmas card, and that's fine, but it's just a highlight reel. So when I got the Christmas card, my immediate thought was, oh, man, I didn't even do Christmas cards this year. <laughs> we haven't even taken pictures. And I looked at that card and I for just a second felt like a failure as a mom and as a wife because these were like professional photos on the beach with their dog. And I'm like, oh my gosh, their cards printed on the fanciest card stock. I haven't even bought Christmas cards this year. And so for just a moment, I stood in my garage after I opened that envelope and I thought, I didn't do enough. And so comparison can steal your contentment. Comparison can steal your contentment. We have a front row seat to everybody's lives through social media, but it's not really their lives. It's not really their lives because most people, I would say 98% of the population, are probably not posting everything that they're walking through. Chronic illness, financial distress, marriage trouble, relationship distress, mental health issues, whatever it might be, we're not really posting those things. We just want people to see a life that we wish we were living. And so I want to highlight this for you this morning. There's actually this newer psychiatric um, illness, and it's a step above OCD. It's another OCD. It's called obsessive comparison disorder. And psychologists have actually diagnosed this because they saw the need to, to start creating treatments for this condition. And this is how it is defined, and I took this from Relevant Magazine. It was an article in Relevant Magazine. It is our compulsion to constantly compare ourselves with others, producing unwanted thoughts and feelings that drive us to depression, consumption, anxiety, and all around discontent. And when I saw that word discontent, I thought, how sly is the enemy to try to rob God's children of the content that we are called to live in as his children. Amen? Okay, moving on. Everybody say second C. Okay, the second thing that I think can steal our contentment, complaining. Complaining. I want to look at this verse. Philippians 2, verses 14 through 15 says this. Do all things, not some things, do all things, this is a great verse for parents to remind your kids about, um, without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Okay? So what I want us to, to learn from this is, as children of God, we have a gift of contentment. We've established this, right? It is not an autopilot decision. It's a daily laying down and a daily reminding the enemy whose you are and a daily choice to be joyous in all circumstances, right? Okay, but then when we start to complain, I don't have this, this is not enough, this person did this, whatever it might be, what we are showing the world is not an adequate representation of who God is. Because here's what this says. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Okay, please help me answer this question. How in the world can we let the, how can we let the world know who Jesus is if his children are the ones murmuring and complaining? How can people see him inside of us? Let me give you the answer. They can't. 
They can't. If we continuously complain that we don't have a big enough house or our car's not nice enough or whatever it might be, God, people cannot see God inside of us. They can't see that in any circumstance we can be thankful. In any circumstance we can be full of hope. In any circumstance we can be full of joy. Wouldn't you rather somebody look at you and say, how can you be so full of joy when you are walking through this? How can you be so full of hope when you are walking through this? How can you have such a peace about you? when you are walking through this. Now, I'm not saying that life doesn't bring suffering. I am no stranger to suffering. And there are days where you just need a moment to sit at the feet of Jesus and cry all day. Life will break you. Life will hurt you. Absolutely. Bad things happen, 100%. But what I'm saying is we have a choice of how we, um, how we, how we keep going. We have a choice to how the posture of our heart is going to be. Amen? Okay. Everybody say third and final C. Okay. Another thing that steals our contentment. I think it's the best time of year to say this. Consumption. Consumption. Okay? It is okay to want things. I want things all the time. I want a new house. <laughs> really bad. I complain about our house sometimes, and I need to not do that since I'm literally preaching about complaining. Um, but... I want a new house. I'm always like, our house isn't big enough. These kids are driving me crazy. There's nowhere to go, blah, blah, blah. So it's okay to want things. But what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't let the need for things, the want for things, consume us. Because here's what happens, okay? We spend our whole lives working to buy things that we give away at the end of our life. Let that sink in for a second. Okay, so our sweet grandma Goodman, she went to be with Jesus last summer, last June at the age of 95. She was such a, she loved the Lord so much. She was a spiritual matriarch of our family. But, you know, she was such a great example of non-materialism. Um, so you walked into her apartment. It was literally like walking back into the 1960s. Um, I loved, she sat down at the table. She served bread in a bread bowl, everything. She moved so slow that sometimes I couldn't handle it because I was just, I, we just live in such a fast-paced world. She didn't know the internet. She didn't know cable. She didn't know cell phones, nothing. And so, um, so but what she did, as she felt like she was kind of ending nearing the end of her life. She was just so ready to go home and be with Jesus, but she just started giving her things away. It was just stuff to her, just stuff. And she lived in a smaller apartment. She lived with less so that she could give over half of her, um, of her income, her um, husband's, um, what do you call it? Retirement, thank you, um, to pension, retirement, to her church. And she lived without because she felt that sowing into God's kingdom was the seed that lasts eternally, which is true. And, um, and not that we have to do that and give half of our, do what God tells you to do, but she lived so humbly. And it made me realize that her stuff, like the things that were important to me was like handwritten recipes and stuff like that. But all of her little knickknacks and all of her wall hangings and stuff it meant nothing to her. She would have rather sat there in her apartment with nothing so that she could sow into the kingdom that she knew was unshakable. And so I just want you to have a little check this morning in this season of consumption. We can get over, overwhelmed so quickly with we're not doing enough, we're not buying enough, we're not working hard enough. But when we set those things to the side, let me ask you this question. Who have you shared Jesus with this Christmas season? Who have you stopped this week to pray for in the grocery store? 
Who have you paid for in the, in the drive-through for the car behind you? Have you been in a store where you've asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anybody in this store that needs to see you? Is there anybody in this store that you want to use me for today? Just those things are the eternal seeds, guys. Those are the eternal seeds. And I am guilty as anyone in wanting to consume. But what happens is we start consuming, and then we don't have enough. But guess what tells us we can have more? Um, Visa and MasterCard, right? So we keep buying, and then all of a sudden we have debts that we can't pay for because we bought stuff we don't need, and we don't even remember the stuff that we bought. And that's what the world wants you to do. It's this endless cycle. This consumption is like a, it's a like a angry master. It's like a slave driver and it'll, nothing will ever be enough. You will never get to a point in this world, in this, in this empire where you will have enough. It will, cause guess what? The next best cell phone will come out. The next best car will come out. A new um, house layout will come out and you'll think, I don't like the layout of my house anymore. I want this layout, right? New shoes will come out, whatever it is. It's designed and it's set up to keep you striving for more. But God's kingdom says this, no, in abundance and need, in hunger or when I have plenty, none of those things matter. See, Paul was liberated from his circumstances defining him. He was liberated from that. And that is what God wants for you this morning. Amen. I want to throw up this um, um, definition really quick. And we're going to do one more verse and then we're going to start to wrap up. But contentment is an unshakable inner peace, not dictated or determined by our outward circumstances. Contentment is an unshakable inner peace, not dictated or determined by our outward circumstances. I love the visual of this when Jesus is on the boat and the storm comes and his disciples say, wake up, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm sleeping, I'm at peace. And it's such a great spiritual example of what the state of our soul can be when we are faced with the storms of life, when we are faced with the things of life, right? Jesus, our friends might have to wake us up. What is wrong with you? Why are you so calm? What's going on? Oh, I have this unshakable inner peace that's actually not dictated by my outward circumstances. Amen? I want to switch real quick to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And I love this. It says, Jesus is saying, come to me. All, you are, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, two things about that really quick. People who have this inner unshakable peace and contentment can truly enter into the rest that God has for them can truly enter. I'm not talking about a good eight hours sleep every night. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rest for your souls, peace for your souls. Do you feel this morning, do a mental inventory really quick. Do you have peace for your soul? Are you constantly agitated, full of disappointment, full of worry, wondering what's going to happen, anxiety, stress? Do those things overwhelm you? Do those things consume you? Listen, no condemnation. If they do, I'm just saying that God wants to deposit something in you this morning. He wants you to receive the gift of contentment that is from his kingdom that cannot be shaken. 
Another thing I want to highlight about Matthew 11 is this, when it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That word learn, didn't we just say that in the beginning? Okay. So that word learn, um, what Jesus is saying, the other rabbis in that time, looking at historical context of this verse, their teachings were very, um, they were heavy, okay? So they were heavy teachings, meaning they were very much work and performance-based teaching. Like you have to do this in order to get here. You need to do this in order to receive this. Jesus comes on the scene and his teaching is totally different. So in this context, the word yoke actually means teaching. Teaching because it says, take my yoke, my teaching upon you and learn from me. Learn from me because it is light and my burden is not heavy. And so I just want to encourage you in that this morning that um, Jesus, when he came on the scene in that time, he was saying, he turned everything, I wouldn't even say upside down, he turned everything right side up. And you see, when we are in this world, which we all are, we are all alive this morning, thank God, right? In this world, in the empire of this world, and it, there's this fight where the world wants to creep into your value system. The world wants to creep into how, to your filters, to how you do things. We, the world wants you to compare. The world wants you to complain. The world wants you to consume. But Jesus says, no, no. I came so you can learn from me, so you can have rest for your souls. Because let me just tell you, when we go out into this world, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That is actually our first identity as children of God is to show people who he is. And we cannot do that if we are not taking his yoke, if we are not taking his teachings, if we are not taking what he has for us, the gift of contentment, the gift of this inner peace. Um, and as I'm wrapping up, the worship team can start to come up. So I want to ask you this a couple questions, but one of the questions I want to ask you is this. Are you giving your life to things that don't matter? Are you giving your life? I told you this wasn't a warm, fuzzy Christmas message. I'm sorry. Okay. But are you giving your life to things that will turn to dust? Because the only thing that is unshakable and that will last forever are the things of the kingdom. And the only thing really that matters is how we are showing people who Jesus is, how we are showing people how to enter into this eternal salvation that we have been given the gift to. So it's a good time of year to pause, to do a little mental inventory, to ask ourselves, as a child of God, am I walking in this unshakable inner peace and contentment that I can have through him every day? Or am I walking in stress and disappointment and agitation and worry? So just do a mental inventory as we start to just press in for a second. Because here's what I know. If you are carrying something that you are not called to carry, it will begin to wear you down and it will begin to weigh on you. And God wants to lift that from you this morning. And um, as I was preparing this, which is very hard for me because I'm a type A planner, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, do not prepare the end of your sermon because I want to do the work. And he does. So if we could just stand this morning and just, take, just stay locked in for a few more minutes, a few more minutes, and just know that God wants to take something from you. It's the great exchange. He wants to take something from you this morning and give you his yoke.
and give you something that is light, something that is full of freedom, something that is full of peace. And he, let me just say this, it's Christmas time. And I can tell you boldly and with the authority that I have in Jesus Christ that God did not send his son to this earth to go through what he went through for our sins so that his children could walk around full of anxiety and full of depression and full of disappointment and full of worry. That is not what we are called to do. That is not what we are called to do. Where have you given the enemy foothold in your life? Where have you given it, knowingly or unknowingly? A lot of times it's unknowingly because he sneaks in and we see all these standards set in society for us and we think we have to attain and live up to all these certain things where Jesus is saying, come to me, learn from me, not from them. That's exactly what he was saying in Matthew 11. Learn from me, not from them. So let's just go to God this morning. I think what we're going to do is just press in and let the worship team sing. And I want you to, to really let the Holy Spirit minister to you for just a moment. And as you do, I want you to do an honest evaluation of yourself. Be honest with God. Here's the trick. He knows anyways. So go ahead and tell him. He already knows. He's just waiting for you to talk to him and waiting for you to tell him. And maybe you need to say, you know what, God? I have given in to the lies of this world. I have given in to consumerism. I have given in to complaining. I don't have joy. I don't know what's wrong with me. But would you take it this morning? He will take it. He wants to release his power over you this morning. I know it. I know it for a fact. He wants to release his joy over you this morning. We should be the most joyful people in the whole world. In the whole world. Our joy should be contagious to others. But will you empty yourself this morning and allow him to fill that space? And you might say, you know what? I've never actually even received salvation, so I don't know how to even step into this contentment. Let me pr I'm going to pray for you this morning, and then we're going to keep worshiping. So if that's you, and the congregation, you can help us all with this. Let's just say, if you, would, if you want to receive salvation, if you know that you know that you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and spend eternity with him and have the gifts that are given to his children, you can repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord... I invite you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior forever. I want to spend eternity with you, and I want you to be the king of my life forever. I lay down myself, and I ask you to take your rightful place in my life. I choose to worship you. And I choose to live for you forever. Amen. And we're just going to worship this morning. And I just want to encourage you, let the Holy Spirit, I can do no more work. No more. The Holy Spirit has to go forth, but he's going to go forth onto hungry hearts this morning. Amen. He's going to go forth onto his children who are ready to receive his gift. Because when I give my kids gift, I'm so excited when they're ready to take it from me. And when they open it, and they're so excited about what it is. Amen. And so can you go to him this morning as a joyful child, as a hungry child, waiting to see what your loving father has for you? Because his yoke is full of love. 
and his yoke is full of acceptance and wholeness and you do not have to believe the lies of the empire of the world that we currently live in because his kingdom lasts forever. So what I want us to do is just, we're gonna worship one more time, we're gonna press in and release the things to Jesus that you need to release. If you need to come to the altar, come to the altar. We'll have prayer teams to our right and to our left. If you need to confess to somebody else and have them pray with you, that's fine too, but don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Don't let the things going on out there stop you from what God wants to do in this very time. Amen. Because he is faithful and he is ready to release his power. God, we come before you as we worship you one last time this morning. And I ask that your power would be released like a wave over this congregation right now, Father. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would fall onto the hungry hearts in this room, that your gifts would be received, God, that we would walk out of here full of joy, full of contentment and ready to be your image bearers in this world. In Jesus' name, show us what we need to lay down and show us what we need to exchange for your yoke. In your name, Jesus, let's worship, let's go to him, and let's let him minister. Amen.